Welcome again. Uh, I'm Matt. I'll be doing the scripture reading for today, which comes from Jonah chapter 2. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish, saying, I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the flood surrounded me. All your waves and your billows passed over me. Then I said, I am driven away from your sight, yet I shall again look upon your holy temple. The waters closed in over me to take my life. The deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped about my head at the roots of the mountains. I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever, yet you brought my life from the pit, O Lord, my God. When my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came to you, into your holy temple. Those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love, but I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. And the Lord spoke to the fish and it vomited Jonah upon the dry land. This is the word of the Lord. Uh, I'm usually like leading worship, in but today I have the privilege of uh, speaking and sharing some of the things that God has been challenging in, even in my own life regarding Jonah, uh, specifically in Jonah chapter 2. So I want to start off with a quick story. Uh, for those of you who have been around for maybe a little bit longer, uh, our former youth pastor before Pastor Paul, his name was uh, Ian, Ian Ma, and if you didn't know him, he was... I'll say he was a character. Um, so I remember him telling me this story, and it started with somebody asking Pastor Ian, hey, uh, Pastor Ian, what's your favorite uh, passage? What's your favorite passage in the Bible? And he said, it is 2 Kings 2, 23 to 25. And I will read that for us really quickly. It says, from there, Elisha went up to Bethel. As he was walking around the road, some boys came out of the town and jeered at him. Get out of here, Baldy, they said. Get out of here, Baldy. He turned around, looked at them, and called down a curse on them in the name of the Lord. Then two bears came out of the woods and mauled 42 of the boys, and he went on to Mount Carmel, and from there returned to Samaria. So this is like most, one of the most like random passages in Scripture. A lot of people are like, why is this even in here? But it's a... You know, I don't want to get into the depth. That's not our passage for today. But he brought this up, and he shared this story. He went to University of Hawaii for his undergrad, for his bachelor's. This is Pastor Ian again. And every day he would walk past this one house, and there was a dog in, this, in the front yard. And every day he'd walk by, and this dog would just bark at him and scare him half to death every single day. And... One day, uh, and he was a, a new believer, so he was just learning about Christianity, learning about God, learning about Jesus, and he read this passage, and the first thing he thought about was this dog. So then he walked past this dog, and then he prayed to God, like, God, please allow me not to have to deal with this dog anymore. And then something like a day or two later, the dog died. <laughs> and that was when he realized that God is a powerful God. And prayer can be very powerful. 
And today we're talking about Jonah's prayer when he was in the belly of the fish. And I'm going to break it down a little bit about how we can learn from Jonah's prayer and how we can uh, see God working in each of our lives, both in small and big ways through prayer. Uh, But first, let me pray for us. Uh, Lord, we thank you for being a powerful God. We thank you for being a God that listens to us, who loves us, and who is a good God. We thank you for Jonah. Even in his faults, Lord, we can learn and grow from his experience and his story. But more importantly, we can learn more about who you are through his story. So we pray that we be able to learn and grow through uh, Jonah's prayer and through his experience. We thank you and pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, so I want to give a quick recap because we just kind of jumped into the series of Jonah. And Jonah is not a long book in itself, in and of itself. So last week we talked about Jonah. Jonah is a prophet of God, and he was called to minister to the uh, city of Nineveh. And Nineveh was very well known to be a wicked place, a wicked city. And Jonah didn't like them, so he basically ran in the complete opposite direction. He got in a boat and fled to Tarshish. And God conjures up this huge storm, and everybody's freaking out. And then they, long story short, they realize it's because Jonah was disobedient to God. So they chucked him overboard, and then the storm calmed. And last week, Pastor Paul spoke on that passage, uh, and he talked about running away from God and how we oftentimes, uh, because of our own desires, because of our own identity that we create for ourselves, apart from what God's plan is, apart from who we uh, identify ourselves in Christ, when we distance ourselves from God and his plan, that's when we are running away from him. So they chucked him into the sea, and then he's like, okay, I guess I'm just going to die. But then God brings up a fish and swallows him. So now that's where we're starting in the beginning of the passage is Jonah is stuck in the belly of the fish. So my passage, uh, I mean, my message title is Recognize, Repeat, and Repeat. And those are kind of uh, a little teaser for the three points of my message. So the first thing that we see is that God, or that Jonah and us, we need to recognize God's goodness. We need to recognize God's goodness. When we think about prayer, a lot of times we don't think about prayer as a first option, but rather a last resort. Uh, I don't know how many times I've walked into an interview or an exam at school, and I'm like sitting at my desk, and the paper's on my table, and I, in my mind, I'm like, I did not study enough for this. And obviously, it's too late to study anymore, so what do I do? I pray. I'm like, please, Lord, do your work. Pull out a miracle for me to pass this exam. Uh, and sometimes I passed, and sometimes I didn't. Uh, and that's not God's failing, that's, that's my failing, right? Um, so a lot of times we're programmed to think prayer is like a last resort, again, not as a first option. And this is kind of where Jonah is too. Jonah is in constant communication with God throughout really the story, but it's not until he's like, I'm literally stuck in a fish's belly and I'm probably going to die. Then, then he's like, all right, I guess I'll pray. Let me, let me go to God and see what God's plan is for me. But Jonah knew God's character. Jonah knew that God was a good God. 
And I think this is oftentimes what we fail to recognize when we don't go to prayer first. We don't think God is going to do something good for us. We don't think God is going to solve all of our problems. Or, or God's going to do what we want. God's going to do something different. We don't trust in God. We don't see God's goodness. But how do we see God's goodness in Jonah's, past, uh, Jonah's prayer? All right, that's pretty tiny. So if you can't read that, that's not a big deal. Um, so this is just the prayer section. I highlighted... That's also hard to see, but I color-coordinated this a little bit. Um, there's kind of a back and forth. If you read the passage, there is kind of this, things are not great, but God, you are good. So I'll read that for us real quick. First, he points out, I call out of the Lord, uh, out to the Lord out of my distress. Distress is a bad thing. And he answers me. Even though I'm distressed, God answers me. Out of the belly of Sheol, which is essentially uh, hell, I cry out, and he hears my voice. Even in hell, or metaphorically, I guess, in this sense. Well, I guess being in the belly of a fish is almost like hell on earth too, right? I'm assuming. Um, even in those depths, God still hears my voice. For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the sea, and the flood surrounded me. All your waves and your billows passed over me, and I say, I am driven away from your sight, yet I shall look again, I shall again look upon your holy temple. There's this hope even in the, in the midst of despair. The waters closed in over me to take my life. The deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped around my head. At the, rots, the, the roots of the mountain, I went down to the land, whose bar uh, whose bars close upon me forever. Yet you brought me, you brought up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. When my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord, and the Lord came to you, into your holy temple. Those who pray regard it to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. But I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. So we see this back and forth, this things are bad, but God is good. Things are bad, but God is good. Jonah knew this. Jonah fully understood this. Uh, yeah, and he trusted God to save him. In a sense, you can say he was pulling his trump card at the end. Uh, he knew that if he prayed to God, that God would save him. Why? Because God is a good God. Uh, those two songs that, I talk, uh, that Matt led, we talked about this. We were like kind of figuring out what songs to lead. And there's plenty of songs about God's goodness. So, you know, so he, that's why he chose those songs. So, and it was a great choice. The whole time I was like, this is perfect. Anyways, um, so for us to really understand the power of prayer, we need to go back to understanding who we are praying towards. Whoop. All right. My slides were a little out of order, but whatever. Um, we need to recognize God's goodness. If we don't understand God's goodness, then our prayer, what's the point of our prayers? If we don't recognize God's power, his goodness, his love for us, then we don't understand why we're praying to God. But Jonah knew this even in his faults. So that is our first point, is that we need to recognize God's character and his goodness. 
All right, so our second point is that we need to repent and turn away. Repent and turn away. So repentance is different from being sorry or remorseful, maybe even. So repentance is inherently talking about our direction. So if I am heading in this direction, and this is not a good direction, if I were to repent, I need to actually turn around and face maybe the opposite direction or a different direction at least. So for those of us with dogs, if you've never heard of something called a front clip harness, that is, oftentimes when you see dogs, they have like the collar and then they have a leash on it. Or if they have a harness, it's attached to their back. So our dog, uh, his name is Meatball, and he's a kind of a bigger dog, so he pulls a lot. So we got him what's called a front clip harness, and it actually attaches to the front of his chest. So it's a little awkward because it's always bumping into him and stuff. But I remember the first time I saw this harness in action. He saw something and he just like went for it. And he's running, and I was like, you know, he's a big dog, so I'm like braced for impact, right? And then, but when that leash got taut, he like immediately flipped around. And I was shocked, he was shocked. He was like, he's running, and then he feels the leash, and he's like, and he's like, whoa, what just happened? And I was like, whoa, that totally worked. Um, but it was, it was shocking because like, it's, it was such a sudden change in direction. But that is what repentance should look like. A lot of times when we think about saying sorry or forgiving somebody, uh, you know, it's just like, oh, you know, sorry, I feel bad. Let me just say this to make myself feel better, to make them feel better. But how do we actually change? You can only change if your character changes and you truly repent. When you start changing the direction of your life, not to pursue your own desires, the desires of the world, but to fulfill God's will. Eventually, Jonah, going back to our story, Jonah does turn, uh, you know, in our passage. Actually, does it talk about Okay, so it doesn't actually say it, but uh, he gets spit up onto dry land after, his, after he prays, and then he starts heading to Nineveh. So he actually starts heading in the direction that God called him to in the first place. So he does change and he does repent. He changes his direction. But what's interesting here is if you actually look, we'll jump back. If you look at this passage, you look at this prayer, nowhere in this prayer does Jonah say sorry or ask for forgiveness. And this should be striking because if we are caught in sin, if God is rebuking us, he's calling us to repent, that should be our first gut reaction, right? Is to ask for forgiveness, yet he doesn't. But God still does forgive him. Still, God saves his life. And later on, we know that, so again, we know that Jonah knows God's goodness but it's this goodness that also gets him in trouble later because he, and I might be taking some points in the next few weeks for our sermons, but later when he does get to Nineveh, one of the things we find out is Jonah did not want to say, go to Nineveh because he knew that God's goodness would be bestowed on Nineveh, the people that he hated. He wanted to deny Nineveh of God's goodness. That is terrible. This is God's prophet that we're talking about. And he did not want to save Nineveh because he knew God was a good God. But this is exactly what 
Jonah wants for himself. There's a double standard here where Jonah knows God's goodness, wants God's goodness, he knows he screwed up, and he knows God's going to save him. He doesn't want that exact same thing for the people that he despised. How do we respond to the people around us when we are wronged? How do we respond to those who cut us off in traffic, who cheat on exams that we studied hard for? How do we respond to those people? Do we want salvation for them? Do we want to save them? Or do we want to deny that and keep it to ourselves? But again, we are called to know who God is, recognize his goodness, to repent and turn towards God. And then lastly, we are to repeat and grow. Jonah, uh, I mean, this is a very short book. We don't know that much about Jonah. But given Jonah's character that we see in just these few chapters, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that Jonah probably had to pray and repent a lot, just given his character. He's, he might be quick to stray away from running away from God, and this might be something that he does a lot. And uh, I, oh, I also want to give credit where credit is due. Uh, some of these ideas that I have are not necessarily my own. I was in, if you know our missionary Vivian Ma, she's in the UK doing uh, ministry with COCM. Uh, I went to this camp to do some mission stuff with them, and Joseph Sang, who is actually, I think, He's a pastor in New York, but he spoke there, and he did a whole series on this, so I took a few things from him. I think he's actually Monica's cousin. Eh, Monica's not here today, but whatever. Anyways, so one of the things that he said and actually stuck with me a lot was when we talk about the Bible, a lot of times we gravitate towards the New Testament because it's, well, new, right? We like new things. We like more up-to-date things, and the New Testament in many ways is looking forward, we look at Jesus' life, we look at the apostles' lives, and it's a much more ideal lifestyle, the way that they think, the way that they process, because they actually have a fuller understanding of the gospel. But if we look at the Old Testament, the Old Testament actually does a much better job of depicting what we are like as humans. One of the reoccurring themes in the Old Testament is falling into sin, being saved by God, and then they're like, this is great, and then years later, Israel falls back into a habit of sin, uh, worshiping pagan idols and these things. And it's a cycle over and over. God saving Israel, Israel returning back to sin and seeking God. And it goes over and over and over. And many times that is, I will, all I, I'll even say, I think that that is our lives. We sin, we are forgiven, we repent, but we sin again. We are forgiven and we repent over and over and over. And when we do that, when we understand that, there are kind of two ways that this can, hap uh, that can kind of happen. You just go around and around and around, and you don't go anywhere. You're just sinning and repenting, sinning and repenting. But what's really important is after you sin, after you repent, how are you growing? It's not about necessarily going through the cycle over and over again. But if you're actually spiraling upwards towards God, that is what God wants. God is not necessarily asking us to be perfect, but he's asking us to be faithful and to grow in him. So Jonah, again, 
he's very versed in Scripture. He knows God's character, but more, not more importantly, but a really important element is that he knows Scripture incredibly well. Uh, I'll get to that in a second. Um, when I was in seminary, we were doing, I studied Hebrew, which was tough, but uh, I remember we were going through uh, like poetry, Hebrew poetry. Uh, and if you've never studied Hebrew poetry, which is probably the vast majority of people in here, it's really complicated because you learn all these Hebrew rules and when you get into poetry, you just throw all those rules out the window. And I remember we, were, we had to pick a passage to write a paper on. And my professor was like, you can pick any poetry, any psalm or whatever, except for Jonah 2. You can't pick that one. And I remember we were like, oh, like why? And he was like, it's basically like a very unique and anomaly. It's like kind of an anomaly because if you actually delve into it, and if you pull out your Bibles or your Bible apps, if you open up the cross-references of Jonah 2, you're going to see a lot of cross-references. So I pulled them up here for us. I'm not going to go through all of them because they're a lot, um, and you don't have to read all of them, but uh, on the left side is maybe just one line of Jonah 2, and on the right side is all the cross-references. And if you don't know what a cross-reference is, it's basically when schol biblical scholars kind of equate or connect different passages and scriptures together. So scholars have looked at Jonah 2 and have cross-referenced it with a lot of different passages throughout the Old Testament. So even just this first line, uh, I don't have it on my notes. Okay, yeah. So I'll just read the first one. It's, I call out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. And a cross-reference is Psalm 3, 4, says, I cry out to the Lord, and he answered me from his hill, holy hill. Psalm 121, in my distress, I called out to the Lord, and he answered me. Lamentations 3, 55, I called out on your name, O Lord, from the depths of the pit. And it goes on and on. I'm not going to go through it, but I'll scroll through it. This is Jonah 3, 2, 3, 4, 5, 7, 8, so you can see there's a lot of similarities between Jonah's prayer and different parts of the Psalms, of different parts of Lamentations. Uh, there's a few from Kings, 1 Kings, uh, one from Chronicles, Jeremiah, all over the place. And then there's kind of two different reactions you can have to this. One is that this prayer was not very original. It wasn't from Jonah's heart. He was just reciting Scripture. The other way that we can think about it is Jonah knew Scripture so well that even in the hardest points of his life, in the belly of the fish, Scripture came to him like that. And that's only if he knew it like the back of his hand. In a way, it's, you can say it was a quote-unquote bad prayer, Another way you can say it was an amazing prayer because he used God's word to pray back to God. A lot of times when we think about prayer, we want, especially as Americans, we want to be unique. We want to be heartfelt. We want things to be our own. So, you know, we come up with our own way to pray, our own style or whatever. Um, and how many of us, like, especially when I was like in, in especially in youth group, uh, and then we were we'd have like prayer meetings where it's like, you know, everybody go around 
share a prayer request, and then afterwards we'll be like, okay, everybody pray for the person on your right. And everybody's like, oh no, I don't know how to pray. And like, uh, uh, what, what, was, what was your prayer request again? And then you're like writing it down. And then you start praying, people start praying, no one's paying attention because you're like rehearsing your own prayer. You're like, I'm going to say this, I'm going to say that. Um, yeah, I hear some snickerings. I don't know. I'm assuming that you guys have gone through that. I've gone through that many times in my life. But we get caught up on the words. We want it to be unique and special, but are unique and are special. And I remember I became very aware of this. I used to have, uh, in my high school, I went to Montgomery High School. Shout out Montgomery. Uh, no one cares. Oh, yeah, we got a few Montgomery people in here. All right. Um, <laughs> thank you. Uh, yeah, our tennis is usually actually be pretty good. Anyway, so um, we used to have a Christian club. It was called Salt, uh, Salt and Light, or was it? Salt Shakers, that was what it was called. And get this, we used to meet at like 6.30 a.m. before school every single Tuesday. And I look back and I'm like, man, I don't know how I did that. That was like nuts. It's hard for me to even get up by like 8 o'clock nowadays. Um, but yeah, we had this prayer meeting every single morning. We like had a little bit of message, did a little bit of worship. So I'd actually drag my guitar into school every week. And everybody was always like, why do you have a guitar? You know, and then, but I remember I was praying with one of my friends. And I think he was praying for a family member who was sick or in the hospital. And I picked up this phrase. I said, Lord, lay your healing hand upon if I was praying for Matt, Lord, lay your healing hand upon Matt and heal his body. And I was like, I picked that up. Actually, I picked that up from Pastor Ian. Um, I heard that, and I was like, man, that sounds good. I was like, man, that sounds so holy. So I started using it. And then I, I prayed that, and then my friend, after the prayer, he was like, wow, you're such a great prayer. He's like, you pray like a pastor. And then I, I didn't know... I didn't know how to like absorb that. I was like, is that a good thing? Is that a bad thing? And I was like, am I just stealing other people's words? I had this whole like almost existential crisis from this one phrase. And, you know, I've wrestled with whether I want to keep using it or not. And, I, and it kind of comes in and out. But, you know, I've wrestled with that because a lot of times we get so caught up on how we pray. And in this sense, I think... I've learned so much more about how we can actually use God's words to pray. How do we actually pray through the Psalms? How do we actually pray through Scripture? Almost exactly like how Jonah did it. But in order for us to do that, we need to understand Scripture. We need to know Scripture. We need to read Scripture. It needs to be part of our lives, our daily lives. And again, as I said before, prayer is always a continuous thing. We're going to always ask for forgiveness. We're always going to have to praise God through prayer. But I think what's really important for us is to remember that through this whole story, our story, Jonah's story, what is your focus when you pray? Is your focus on you, your problems, your things that you got to deal with, or is it about God? Is it about your plan, or is it about God's plan? The questions you ask when you get into a car accident or you fail an exam, do you ask yourself, why is this happening to me? Or do you ask yourself, what is God teaching me through this experience? 
when good things happen, when we ace our exams, when we get that raise, when we get into that college that we've been dreaming about going to, do we think, man, I'm awesome? Or do we think, praise the Lord for blessing me? Who is at the center of your life, you or God? Who is at the center of your prayers, you or God? All right, so again, we have our three points. Recognize God's goodness. I think the, last, the one earlier said God's character, whatever. Um, repent and turn towards God and repeat but grow. Repeat but grow. So what do we do with this? How do we actually do this practically speaking? I have a few things that can help us in being better at recognizing, repeat, repenting, and repeating. The first one is when we re- want to recognize God's goodness, we must read God's word and trust him. Again, as I said before, if we don't know who God is, we can't trust him. For those of us who are, uh, I'm not a parent, but for those of us who have children, if you don't know the person that you're leaving your kid with, or if you have a dog, we have a dog, we've left him with different people. If you don't know the person taking care of your kids or your dog or your house, or you know, if you let somebody borrow your car, if they're a complete stranger, you would probably not trust them, right? But the same thing is true when we think about God. When we go to God, if we don't know who he is, if we don't know his goodness, we don't know his character, we don't read scripture and see it played out in history, we won't trust him no matter what we say or think. You need to know who God is in order to trust him. And you can only do that through reading his word. So we need to read God's word. We need to read our Bibles and know who God is. Well, all right, the next thing is to repent and turn towards God. So how do we practically do that? We need to identify our sin and turn from it. The first step in addressing any problem, fixing any issue, is you need to recognize that there's a problem or an issue to begin with. If you don't think that there's a problem, if you don't think that there's a problem, you're not going to want to fix it. If you don't think that there's a problem, you're not going to fix it. Oftentimes, uh, we can oftentimes see our own faults, but sometimes it's actually really helpful for other people to point out our own faults as well. And I think this is really hard for us in general as the human race, but especially for those of us who are Chinese uh, and Americans as well. We don't like being wrong. So we need to be humble and recognize that we aren't perfect. Only God is perfect. And we need to understand our faults in order to address them and be more and more like Christ every day. And that's where community comes into play. When you have people that can keep you accountable, uh, a friend or you know, somebody that prays with you regularly, or if you go to Life Group, or you know, you're part of this church or another group, where you can be accountable, that people have a culture of calling each other out, and not to be malicious or anything, but to actually grow and experience God's love through repentance. That's a good thing. But a lot of times we see our faults as only bad. So we have read God's word, trust in him, identify sin, and turn from it. So when it comes to repeating and growing, we must develop a desire to grow. We must develop a desire to grow. Again, in order for us to grow, we need to understand what our problems are. But if we have no desire to grow, then we're not going to grow. If you have... 
Uh, I play guitar. That's like kind of my instrument now. But I'll tell you, I play. I tried a million different instruments before that. Uh, in high school, I played saxophone and bassoon. Before that, I played piano when I was younger. And I tell this story a lot, but I used to practice. I was pretty little. And my shirt would be soaking wet afterwards because I would just cry the whole time. And it would just trickle down my chin and then drip on my shirt. I'd never complain, but I'd just be playing. <laughs> and then finally, my dad was like, once my mom was like, does he, does he need to play? Maybe it's okay if we let him quit. So then finally, my mom came up to me and was like, uh, do you still want to play? You can quit if you want. And I quit, like, immediately. I had no desire to learn piano. But when I learned other instruments, I had a lot more desire. I saw other people playing guitar at church and stuff, and I was like, hey, I want to be like that. Uh, I want to learn how to play guitar. So I learned how to play guitar. I had a desire. I never went to, I actually never went to any formal, like, guitar, like, lessons or anything. But I had such a good, great desire that I just taught myself. Now, do we have that kind of desire when it comes to learning scripture, growing in our faith, growing in our prayer life, being accountable for one another? Do we have a desire for that? Oftentimes we don't, or we don't even realize that's something that we should desire. But that's a great place to start, recognizing that we aren't perfect and we need each other. And we need to grow. Having a desire to grow is the first step to really grow. So that's where we're at. Uh, let me go back real quick to go over our points. Again, our points are that we need to recognize God's goodness. We need to know who God is and his character. Second is that we need to repent and turn away from, uh, turn towards God, not away from God. And lastly, we need to repeat and grow. Because we're going to sin. We're going to fall short of God's calling but God is a good God. And no matter what happens, God will continue to be in our lives. He will continue to be good to us. He will continue to love us. And we will continue to grow in our relationship and our knowledge of him. So what is God calling you to do? What is God pointing out in your life that you might need to turn away from? How is God challenging you to learn from his word? And how is God calling you to grow? Let's pray. Lord, we come to you a sinful people, but I pray that we recognize, we know and trust that you are a good God, that no matter what happens in our life, whatever plan you have for us, whether it's in line with our own desires or not, Lord, they are good. That we can turn away from the things that uh, cause us to sin, cause us to be tempted, Lord, and turn towards you and your will that we can have a desire to grow, to love you, and to be constantly moving more towards being Christ-like in every aspect of our lives. We pray that we can learn from Jonah, even in his faults, Lord, that we can learn from his character and his knowledge and understanding of who you are, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for being a good God both in the good and the bad times, Lord. We trust you, we love you, and we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.